All right, uh, again, tonight we're going to be going in the book of Romans, but take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 15 to get us started. Genesis chapter 15. What we're looking at in Romans, which is a very strong doctrinal book, and I'm going to give you a couple of bigger words tonight that uh, to help us as we study this particular section. Now, if I asked you, and you can talk to me, it's okay, if I asked you basically on Sunday mornings we've been going through the book of Revelation, what would be the fancy title, theological title for that subject matter? Starts with an E. Eschatology. All right, very good. Eschatology is the study of the last days. That's one of the 12 major doctrines in Scripture. When we get into Romans, the first part of Romans, Paul is basically pushing very hard that sin is a reality. In fact, Romans, the first three chapters, just pounds on the issue that we're sinners. Absolutely. I mean, just very, very strong. Now, if I asked you, and here's here's a much tougher one, uh, if I asked you, what is the fancy word for the doctrine of sin? Anybody know what that one is? Starts with an H. Hearing nothing, it's harmatology, harmatology. You say, well, why are you doing this tonight? Leading us off this way. Well, here's why, if I can find the book. There we go. It's in here somewhere. I've, uh, we've been putting out this book called Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. A bunch of you have already purchased one. When we get into September, we're going to be going through the, uh, probably on Wednesday nights. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm probably going that direction. Wednesday nights, we're going to be studying the 12 major doctrines, uh, starting, well, I'm just going to say that. If you, we don't know, and we talked this morning about the lack of knowledge among young people, the lack of biblical understanding, the lack of theology, if you will, in the scriptures. Now, I don't want to get so deep that uh, we lose folks, but if we don't know the basics, we're going to run into problems. Many of our young people don't know the basics. Many of our older folks don't know the basics. Many uh, folks that have been saved for years don't know the basics, and uh, I think uh, everybody would like to know. Here's here's the the misnomer that exists. The misnomer is that uh, folks like me that have had the privilege to go to Bible school after Bible school and seminary after seminary have uh, multiple graduate degrees and all that good stuff. And it's like, well, that's for pastors. Well, I'm not buying that. It's just for pastors. I think everybody uh, should have it. You see, back in the old-fashioned days, the denominational churches, what did they say the people should know when it comes to the Bible? Would they let you even read the Bible back in the old days on mainline denominational churches? The answer was no. That's, that's, whoops, don't worry about it. Uh, that's, that's for folks uh, that have ministerial degrees or that are full-time in ministry. Those are the only ones that should read the Bible. It should be verboten to everyone else. Well, an individual, uh, uh, partly due to Martin Luther's influence, and many others decided that every single person should have the opportunity to know what's inside the Word of God. So, I believe that uh, uh, very strongly, because I believe it's biblical, is that every single person should have uh, as much possible knowledge what's inside those 66 books. Uh, you may not be able to spend uh, years and years in seminaries and Bible schools and all that, but you still should know what's there. So, we're going to be working on that. 
So harmatology is basically the first three chapters of Romans. Then we're talking a great deal. We get into end of Romans chapter 3, getting into Romans chapter 4 today. And we're going to be talking about salvation. God's doctrine of salvation. So what's the fancy word, the theological term to study salvation? Well, it's soteriology. So it's another one of the 12 major doctrines. So in one day, what are you studying? Well, if you were here this morning, which most of you were, we studied eschatology. We talked about salvation and how to come to Christ, soteriology. We talked about Jesus Christ, another major doctrine known as Christology. We talked about the Holy Spirit who indwells people and uh, uh, Christians during this age. That's pneumatology, another one of the 12 major doctrines. So you see, when we, when we go verse by verse through Scripture, which we like to do most of the time, sometimes I teach topical, but as you go through the Scriptures verse by verse by verse, you're going to hit on all the major doctrines to some degree. So uh, uh, we're talking about this evening, we're going to be pulling a lot of these pieces together. Now, we've spent, a, and I tell Valerie, sometimes Paul gets very redundant. And she says, well, you know what, and it's like, do you think it gets too redundant when we start going verse by verse through Romans? She's like, no, you know, this is stuff I, and she, she made this statement. She usually tells me the truth, in fact, all the time. And uh, she says, well, you know, I, I, it really, I really enjoy that particular book and the topic matter. So I'm like, well, I hope you do too. So we're going to go back to uh, Romans 4 in just a minute, but we've got to start with the biblical understanding of where Romans 4 came from. So before we do that, and I've got to catch up on this machine. All right, so we're going to be looking about, is your faith dead? So just a couple of things to get our minds thinking. Do you ever wake up feeling like you never went to bed? Well, that happens almost every day for me. I don't know about you. Uh, you wake up, you're a little groggy, you're not feeling it, uh, you're not with it. Thanks, Bethany. We'll see how she pulls in there. So, are you alive? When you wake up, do you say, wow, I'm glad I'm alive today? And uh, what we're going to see as we get into Romans 4 is we're going to talk about being spiritually alive, being glad you, you were able to wake up today. Yes, there's a lot of folks that are going through tough times and sad times right now. A lot of folks that have just lost loved ones, and it's tough. And sometimes you want to hide underneath the, uh, the covers and not get out of bed, and it's like, man, it's just it's, it's tough. But God says, listen, I got something for you. How about uh, uh, being spiritually alive? Do you drag through life feeling constant anxiety and even hopelessness? And so many people do, unfortunately. And God says, listen, if you understand who I am, if you're walking with me every single day, I will put a spring in your step. I will help you wake up saying, man, I'm glad I'm alive today. Man, I'm, I'm just uh, uh, thrilled that I got a chance uh, uh, to share with others and uh, uh, be a friend to others and be a helpmeet to others. Are you one of those more rare persons who truly can say most every day, life is great? Life is great. I made it my practice at uh, the sheriff's office, and I meant it. And uh, you'd walk down the, the hallway, and uh, 
folks would say, hey, how you doing today? Trying to, trying to be social and nice, and I'd say, life is good. Life is good. And uh, you know I meant it. 99% of the folks that walk down the halls of the Milwaukee County Courthouse or the safety building were going through tough times, hard times. My life's pretty good. I had a job. I loved the people. And they'd come in and some of the folks walking down those halls were going to be in court in a few moments. And I'd have uniform on, and it might have been when I was the sheriff or below that, and just folks out of respect would at times say hi. Some would run the other way, but, uh, but they're just trying to be nice and courteous, and their hearts are breaking. They're scared to death. And it's like any good that uh, life is good for those of us that know Christ and, and have a sure hope. And we're going to get into that tonight. So we're going to examine uh, what your faith in Jesus Christ produces immediately and long term. We want to talk about life tonight. Go to your Bibles, Genesis chapter 15, to set the context. God has been talking in the book of Romans, and you say, well, the apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans. Yes, he did. Well, who's, who's the one that gave Paul the material? God himself. All scriptures inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, Abram is, is the same guy whose name's going to be changed to what? Abraham, same person. The word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Wouldn't that be fun if uh, God came down and said that to you? And you're Abram's, uh, he's, I mean, this happened. He's there, and God's uh, having a chat with Abram, and he's giving him some encouragement. Uh, uh, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? If you remember back in Genesis chapter 12, when God gave the Abrahamic covenant, he said, listen, Abraham, I want you to get out of Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to come over to the uh, a place that, uh, and he didn't give him all the details, but uh, what would be known as the promised land or Israel. I want you to leave everything you got, head on over there, and I'm going to make you the father of many, many nations. And I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And now we move ahead in time several years, and God's meeting with Abram again. And Abram's like, uh, excuse me, remember when we met back in uh, Ur of the Chaldees before I went to Israel and you kind of promised that you were going to make me like the father of many nations and I don't have a boy. Uh, what's, what's the deal? Abram said, I'm childless. Now, back in the uh, historical times, what would take place is the servant in that person's house would become the heir of all things. So Abram knew if he dies, this guy named Eliezer, a guy from Damascus, he's, he's going to be, he's going to get everything. His name is the one that's going to be the father of an alleged bunch of nations. So Abram's doubting God. He really is. And maybe in his mind with good cause, it's like God promised this and it's not happening. Verse 3. Then Abram said, look, (laughs) do you know what, uh, I'm going to give you a little secret here. 
I don't know if you watch uh, political shows at all, like Fox News, or I hope you don't watch CNN. No, I didn't say that. Uh, MSNBC and all these others. When you get a commentator on and you invite a guest to come in, you'll hear a couple of words that uh, the pros usually use. One of them is, look. Look! And then they start giving their spiel. Look! Well, for some reason, that's one of the words they tell the politicians to use because, and I would say listen more than I would say look, but the look supposedly gets your attention and you will look at them and listen. And Abram does this to God. I, I don't know which commentator show he went to to learn this, but he's like, look, God, look, listen. Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one, one born in my house is my heir, and it's not through my loins. Verse 4, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, speaking of that, that person named Eliezer of Damascus, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now, this is God's told this to Abram. This is at least the second time now, right? We've got it in the Abrahamic covenant. We're getting it here. We got it. And God's saying, listen, I wasn't kidding, Abram. Eliezer is not going to be the one who is going to be your heir. Verse 5, then he, speaking of God, brought him outside and said, and you know this, this verse, look, Abram, look up. Take a look at all the stars of the heavens. Take a look out here. By the way, Abram, uh, you don't say this here, but who created those stars? Well, the Lord did, right? Colossians 1.16, all things were made uh, by the Lord, by Christ. And, and he's pointing up to what God has done. And, of course, Jesus is part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. Uh, then he brought him outside and said, Look, Abram, now toward heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he or God said to him, So shall your descendants be. That's God's promise. Now it's up to Abraham. Is he going to buy this or not? Verse 6. And he, Abram, did what? Believed. Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now we've gone through this over the last several chapters when we've been going through the book of Romans because this is a massively important little fact. Had, and now this is review, had the Mosaic law been written when this was stated by Abraham? I thought, uh, uh, don't some people teach that you're saved by following the law? Yeah, people teach it as false as can be. It's a false doctrine. Nobody ever got saved by following the law. Well, Abraham, he was a Jewish guy, so he must have followed the law. The law didn't exist for almost 400 more years. And God said Abraham got saved by what? Faith. Folks, how do you get saved? By what? Faith. Faith alone. It's never changed. never will change. The law, again, was brought about to show people that they, uh, uh, that they couldn't keep the law. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 4 then. That is the key passage when we're studying Romans and other passages that refer to Abraham. All right, so let's start popping through this. All right, Romans 4.13 is where we're going to pick up in just a moment. But I want to point out three things that we went through to get us to this point now in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 13. God is going to make it very clear uh, through the Apostle Paul that there's three things that absolutely will not save you. 
But so we're going to quickly go through a couple of verses. Romans 4.1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father is found according to the flesh? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. All right. What is the first thing God says you can't get saved by doing? What's the word? Can't get saved by works. We preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it here. When you folks go out onto the streets and you tell folks how to come to Christ, you're constantly saying, you don't get saved by your good works, you get saved by what? Placing your faith in whom? In Christ. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more. Well, what else does he say? Let's move on a little bit. Uh, Let's see. Let's go down to verse 9, the second thing that doesn't save. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Has anybody ever been saved because they were circumcised? Absolutely not. Now, the circumcision was a mandatory piece of the Mosaic law. Every Jewish male was to be circumcised. And I always say, if you don't know what that means, talk to uh, someone in your family. I'm not going to explain it from the pulpit. But it's a, a Jewish ritual, which, by the way, happens in almost every single hospital for multiple years uh, uh, now. But back in the day, this was a Jewish rite only. Uh, the Gentiles did not practice circumcision. And God's making it clear. What's he saying? He said, listen, the Jewish people that practice circumcision has nothing to do with them getting to heaven. has nothing to do with their faith in the Lord. Nor does uncircumcision. doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcision. You still come to God by what? Faith and faith alone. That's exactly what he's trying to prove. Verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the what? The law. All right. So what doesn't save people? Folks, this is good theology. It's right here in black and white in chapter 4. You don't get saved by works. You don't get saved by being a Jewish individual and being circumcised. By the way, I love the Jewish people. Valerie and I were talking. It's like we're getting about this close to setting something up to going back to Israel. We're both getting the bug again. Not a sick bug, a good bug. And we're ready to go back. I love, I love Israel. I love the Jewish people and can't wait to get back for a couple of weeks. But you know what? Not a single one of those Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people that live in Israel, not a single one of the Orthodox people that live within uh, Racine, Kenosha, or Milwaukee County, not a single one is going to go to heaven if they don't trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Not a one. And by the way, not a single Gentile is going to get to heaven without trusting Jesus as their personal Savior. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 9 of Romans 4. Uh, the blessedness doesn't come by faith. Uh, does it come only on the circumcised? God says no. Only on the uncircumcised? No. What's the last part of verse 9? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? When he was circumcised or uncircumcised? God's pointing it out because he knows how messed up most theologians are. And he's saying, wait a second. He put it in here on purpose because he knew he'd mess it up. He's like, oh, the Jewish people, they're all circumcised, so they're all, they must all be right with God. He says, but Abraham was not even circumcised at that point. He, he trusted in the Lord by what? Faith. There you go. That's simple. All right, uh, verse 13. For the promise that he would be heir of the world, that is to Abram, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the what? It's not through the law. Nobody gets to heaven by following the law. 
All right, let's see if uh, you remember the word. We've done it a couple of times now in a couple different messages. The law, it starts with a T. The law was the blank to point us to Christ. Did I say what? Okay, schoolmaster is definitely one of the words. That's the S word, which works. And I heard teacher, but it's act- which works. It's actually tutor, and I think I heard it over here. We use the word tutor. Uh, uh, we're talking about the, uh, the law uh, points out. Listen, when, uh, and we talked about it uh, during Sunday school this morning about the, the number of young people uh, that can't read. We talked about it in the deacons meeting. And uh, um, I'm not going to go into it this evening, but uh, you say, well, Brother Rich, what are you going to do about that? Uh, here's, here's, here's the thing. You tell, you tell somebody who likes to fix things a problem, and what are they going to do? I'm going to fix it. All right, so you say, well, Brother Rich, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to start a school yet, but I am going to, uh, we are going to start a reading program for first, second, third, fourth graders that can't read even the alphabet, that barely can write their own names. You say, why? Because young people are showing up in Awana and they can't read a lick of Scripture. That's bad. All right, that's enough said. But here's the point. What are, what are we talking about? We're talking about helping young people to read. They go to school. They go to video school. They go to homeschool sometimes, and they can't read. What do they need? They need to be tutored. And uh, that's exactly what the law did. They, uh, God basically said, well, here we are. Uh, uh, through the law, uh, uh, no one gets saved, but it's through faith. Verse 14, for those who are of the law our heirs. Now, who's of the law? What group of people again? Jewish people. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. What's God saying? Say, listen, folks. And now the majority of you in this room right now, are you Jews or Gentiles? Morty are, are Gentiles. There's maybe a couple of folks here with a little bit of Jewish blood in them. I don't think there's one full-blown Jewish person here tonight. What's God saying? He's pointed it out. He's saying, listen, if our Jewish friends were able to get to heaven by following the law, he says there's no such thing as faith then. He's saying you're making faith null and void. It doesn't exist. But the problem is, and it's redundant, and he keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again, that does the law save anyone? Does work save anyone? All right, folks, so let's, let's get down to the nitty-gritty right now. When was this written? About 70 A.D., 80 A.D., in that range, somewhere around there. What year is it today? 2022. Let's see, we're going on nearly 2,000 years since this was written. 2,000 years. I can go into 90% of the churches in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, in the United States of America, in churches around the world, and 90% of those churches, if not higher percentage, how will they tell me I need to get to heaven? What do I need to do? Good works. You say, well, you know, we here at Union Grove Baptist Church, we, we hear it almost every week that we're saved by faith and not by works. We kind of got it by now. But the unfortunate thing is very few of us have it by now. 
I'm not talking about folks sitting in the auditorium right now. Now, there may be some that you're still trying to work your way to heaven. It's not going to work. It's not going to work any more for you than it worked for the Old Testament Jews or the Old Testament Gentiles. You're not going to do you a bit of good. But it's a reminder every single day that we're in a battle, folks. Every single day, you're running into folks that don't know Christ as their personal Savior. Again, uh, the Barnard Group came out with a, a startling but probably very true and maybe even high statistics that 6% of all people are Christians. 6%, that means 94% of all people don't know Christ as their Savior. I think 6% is a good number, but it might be high. So why do we need to keep reminding ourselves of this? Because God said, listen, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise of God made of no effect. Because the law brings about what? Wrath. Folks, people go to prison every single day. People go to jail every single day because of what? The what? The law. The law points out to people you messed up. So when uh, uh, criminals on the street, when folks do something wrong, when people pull out guns and start shooting up each other and, uh, and killing people and murdering people and the rape and the robbery and all those things, and uh, the, the legislature back in the day put the laws on the books, what happens if there's no law? What happens to these people that we call criminals today if there's no law? What happens to them? They go free. You're not a criminal, right? If there's no law, you're not a criminal. If, they, if the uh, murder wasn't on the books, if, if it wasn't uh, uh, called a crime by the legislature, then they walk free because there's no law. So why are people arrested? And don't get off into cops make mistakes. Remember, I was one. <laughs> cops do make mistakes on occasion, by the way. They're not perfect either, but uh, uh, listen. The L word, right? Listen and look. Listen. What's God pointing out here? He's saying, listen, if there's no law, if there's no law, there's no offense. You're scot-free. But God says, listen, what does that law do? The law brings about punishment. The law brings about wrath. The law determines, as my good friend Lewis can tell you, being a court administrator, when the judge sits in his seat and when they bring the, uh, the prosecution and the defense stands before the uh, attorney and the lawyers argue their case and the judge says well all right i heard you i heard you here's what the law says and here's what i'm basing my decision on or the jury is basing their decision on the rule of what the rule of law all right and that's what god's saying listen uh, the old law the mosaic law when people broke it there is punishment there is wrath associated with it the law is not grace the law is demands obedience or punishment because the law brings about wrath consequences for where there is no law there's no transgression. Listen, you want to live free, fat, foot loose? How do they go? Foot loose and fancy free. Find some place that doesn't have any laws and life is good. Or is it? <laughs> if you like chaos, just a thought. All right, let's go to verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith, faith, that it might be according to what? Grace. Now, every single person here, if you're part of Union Grove Baptist Church for more than a week, you ought to know what grace is. Grace is a free, unmerited what? It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. 
Folks, you can't work your way. You, you know what's amazing? You tell folks the gospel. Ah, you're a sinner, right? Yeah, I understand I'm a sinner. Yeah, you know you don't deserve to go to heaven. Yeah, I understand I don't deserve to go to heaven. Do you understand that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for your sins? Yeah, I understand that. Do you understand that if you'll accept God's free gift of eternal life based on what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, that you can have eternal life? No. They stop you right there. Do you know how many folks, and you've been there, many of you, everything makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I deserve to go to hell. Yeah, Jesus did all that. Well, you want his free gift? No. What do you mean you don't want it? It's a free gift. Oh, no, no. No. No, it's not free. I'm going to have to give up my lifestyle. I'm going to have to change who I am. My, uh, my priest, my pastor, my uh, uh, imam uh, said I have to work my way to heaven. I'm not buying that. Well, can I show it to you right here in the, in the Word of God? Here's, here's what it says right there. What do you think about that? No, I'm not buying it. And they shut you down. Folks, that's the majority of folks. You say, well, why is it so hard? Well, there's multiple reasons, of course, because Satan, the last thing he wants is somebody making a decision for Christ, or he's going to fight God every step of the way. Our own self-will gets in the way. And the Holy Spirit's there trying to convict you uh, and show you your need for uh, placing your faith in Christ. He's shown you from the Word of God that there's only one way to get to heaven. It's through faith. And yet people still reject the grace. It is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law. He's saying, listen, here's God's promise. It just doesn't go to the Jewish people who are under the law, but also to those who are of the what of Abraham? Faith. faith. Folks, it is simplistic. And and I almost, I'm not going to, I almost want to apologize. Say, man, we just... Hammer this and hammer this and hammer this. But you know, God's hammering it over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, I guess God wants to hammer it over and over again so it sinks in. What's the best form of learning? Repetition. And God said, listen, man, you know, 90%, over 90% of the world rejecting this concept. I guess I just got to keep hammering it. I got to keep pushing it. We got to keep reminding folks that we're saved by faith and faith alone. Uh, What's he say? The faith of Abraham. What was that faith? Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right, very good. Let's move on. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you, Abram, I gave you a new name, Abraham. What does it mean? A father of many nations. By the way, did God fulfill that promise? Oh, yeah. Uh, We just said, uh, we can't wait to get back to Israel. Folks, that's been around since 1000 B.C. 3,000 years, God's preserved that little strip of land known as Israel, the promised land. God's jealous for that land. It's God's property. The Temple Mount, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, is the center of God's universe. You say, how do you know that? Where'd that come from? Most of you know this now. Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 5. Ezekiel 5, 5. 5, 5. 5, 5. 
it's yeah, switch that ad out. Free, free, free. Five, five, five. Uh, now you remember it, right? Ezekiel chapter five, verse five. God said, "Listen, all the nations surround you." Speaking of Jerusalem, which God's is the apple of His eye. The Jewish people. It's His land. It's His property. It's where He had the first and second temple. It's where the Shekinah glory of God sat during the first temple period in the holy of holies in the first temple on the top of Mount Moriah. No denying it. God who gives life to the dead and... Whoa, what does he do? He gives what? Life. Is life tough? Are you struggling? Is uh, uh, the burdens overwhelming at times? Well, at times they can be, but God says, listen, if you if you just walk with me, if you spend time with me, if you invest your life in me instead of everything else under the sun, and there's a lot under the sun you can invest in, God says, listen, I want to give you life. Uh, I give life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they did. Uh, Take your Bibles, go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, very quickly. We're not going to go through the whole chapter, but I'm going to point out several things. Hebrews chapter 11. Many of you know a title that's given to this particular chapter. It's basically a chapter talking about the hall of what? Faith, all right? So let's just very quickly, and again, we're not going to belabor this, but I just want to remind us that God is very, very strong about talking about faith of the Old Testament people as well as many of the new. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what faith is. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, what is God saying here? He's like, listen, if you can see something and it's happening in front of your eyes, is that faith? That's reality, right? It's real time happening. And God says, listen, we talk about the rapture, Jesus coming down and getting us. We talk about a seven-year tribulation period. We talk about a millennial kingdom. We talk about the second coming of Christ. We talk about believers absent from the body being present with the Lord. We talk about the white throne judgment where all believer unbelievers will stand before God and be judged to an eternity separated from God. We talk in Revelation 21 and 22, specifically 22, about a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem where we'll all uh, dwell with God forever. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Now why in the world would anyone believe about all those things I just said. Why would you believe about a place called heaven? By the way, heaven is an eschatological concept. You say, what does that mean? It means that it hadn't happened yet for you. Now, it exists up there, but you haven't seen it. It's in your future. You say, I don't like to study about future things. Well, heaven's part of your future. That's eschatology. Oh, didn't think about it that way. I thought it was only the millennium and the tribulation. How about eternity future? How about the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem where we're going to spend eternity with Christ? Pretty exciting. Now, what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
Bible makes it clear that all things were created by him and without him not anything was made that's in the earth so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible folks everything we see in this universe all that things that you're seeing on that fancy new uh, uh, telescope satellite telescope that just started sending pictures this week massively wonderful pictures all these things they're god's creation they didn't just form they didn't just pop out of nowhere Well, they kind of did pop out of nowhere when God created them out of nothing. It's amazing. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abel brought a blood offering. Cain brought uh, one of the field. Uh, Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see, see death. Enoch and Elijah, two individuals that God took to heaven without dying. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By the way, how many rainstorms had Noah seen before he started building the ark? Zilch. Zero. Noah's out there in his field, literally, (laughs) building an ark And you know how many times it had rained up to that point? Zero. God watered the earth in a different way. It didn't rain up until that point. People are walking by. No, are you nuts? What are you doing building that giant boat out here in the middle of nowhere? He says, well, just stay tuned. The floods are coming. If you don't put your faith in God, you're going to be one that's going to be destroyed. And they mocked him and they laughed at him. He preached for over a year. The only converts he had were in his own family. How'd you like to start a church and nobody shows up at your wife and three kids and their spouses? That's it. Everybody else perished in the flood because they refused to believe it. By faith Noah did it. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive as an inheritance. Get out of the early the Chaldees, Genesis 12. Go to the place that I will show you. And he did it. Verse 11, Abraham's wife, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, God faithful, who had promised. You remember old poor old Abraham, 100 years old. He's got his uh, 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 beautiful young bride of a 90 years old and she's like come on man uh, uh the, the the i shouldn't say come on man boy that mm. anyway uh uh sarah's outside and and and, and the angel says listen uh, sarah's gonna have a baby and she's like <laughs> come on i'm not gonna have a baby you know how old i am he said you know I, I, man i could i haven't been able to have i couldn't have a baby for years and all of a sudden i'm gonna have a baby <laughs> then why are you laughing at sarah why are you laughing? Why well, I wasn't laughing. <laughs> God said, listen, Abraham, you're going to have a baby. Sarah, you're going to have a baby. Did they have a baby? What was his name? Isaac. Yeah, they had a baby. Uh, and uh, uh, did Sarah finally believe it? Of course she did, as did Abraham. Uh, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Folks, let me remind you, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The heavens beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I just don't feel at home in this world anymore. Folks, our citizenship is where? 
in heaven. If you feel a little out of place down here when you're living and walking with God, uh, you should because this place isn't our home. Yes, we're down here temporarily. Yes, we're down here to tell folks of the greatest news ever given to mankind that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. This isn't my home. It's a little temporary stop. Now let's move on. Oh, look at there. Hit it right on the screen. Is your faith dead? Is it dead? Is it dead? Are you alive? I mean, I listen... We played a little bit with those songs just a little bit ago. You say, Pastor Rich, we're so glad when Josh comes back. <laughs> Boy, it kind of fun for a minute just to say, well, let's just let it rip. Let's just sing a, a victory in Jesus. Let's just sing for a moment about Jesus saves. And uh, for that time period, we kind of get lost in uh, uh, there is victory in who Christ is. There is victory in what Jesus has done in our lives and will do in the lives of others. And all of a sudden, for a little bit, we transform out of, uh, uh, if you will, uh, the cares and the trouble of the world. And by faith, we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. He gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope. Abraham said, God, this cannot happen. You know how old I am. You know how old my wife is. This makes no sense that I'm going to have a child at this age. It's not working. And I'm frustrated. And I'm upset. And Lord, we need to have a chat about this. How are we going to make it right? And God said, hey, Abraham, it's going to happen who contrary to hope doesn't make any sense makes no human sense whatsoever in hope believed so that he did indeed become the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb now most of you here are old enough to understand what that says. Menopause had come. She had no way of having children at this point. And God said, you're going to have a child. Now that takes a little bit of faith, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes. Thank you. He did not waver. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But all of a sudden, he said, I believe it. He said, Okay. I need a little pep talk, Lord, and I, I, I got it. And God said, listen, Abraham, uh, it's going to happen, and you are going to have a child, and it's going to happen by faith, and Sarah is indeed going to get pregnant by you, my man. Oh, I hate to go here. I got a minute. So what's the gap between Tabitha and Trevor, or Tiffany and Trevor? How many years? All right, 12 years. So, uh, same church that John and I went to. This is private stuff now, okay? This goes nowhere. So we get pregnant with, uh, we get pregnant. I didn't get pregnant. I may look like I did, but I didn't. Uh, my wife got pregnant. And uh, uh, 12 years after our, our girl, and my Senior pastor who I was working for comes up to me, starts laughing, smacks me on the back and says, Way to go, Abraham! <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Oh, 
Okay, I'm going to be looking for a new church real soon. Anyway, what's the point? Abraham was beyond, and of course we weren't. We were still very young. And uh, God blessed us with our, with our third child. And, and here Abraham's excited. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Well, let's finish up here if I can get the one last slide. All right, so let's go to the last couple of verses. The confirmation of our firm faith. Therefore, it, faith was accounted to him, to Abraham for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who is delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. What's God saying? Listen, if you've been fighting spiritual death, if, if spiritually, and most of you here, I know who you are. I know you put your faith and trust in Christ, but sometimes the old devil gets to you. Sometimes life gets to you. Sometimes circumstances get to you. Sometimes the uh, things like many of you are going through right now uh, with death enter into uh, the picture, and you get a little discouraged, and it gets a little bit hard, and God says, listen, I want to encourage you tonight. There is a better day coming. He said some folks back in Hebrews 11, they didn't realize everything that was going to be happening, but they believed it by faith. Listen, folks, uh, I don't think you'd be here tonight if you didn't believe in a future. I don't think you'd be here tonight if you didn't believe that there's a place called heaven. I don't think you'd be here tonight if you didn't believe that the Holy Spirit can help you through the darkest times of life. Can you rejoice in who God is tonight? Can you by faith say, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm a child of the King. This world is not my home. Oh, I am just a passing through, and I can't wait to see Jesus someday. But until he comes, I'm going to rejoice in my forgiveness. I've been justified. What does that mean? It means there's no sin on your record. It means when uh, the judge... says, what's, what's, what's he doing here? What's she doing here? They shouldn't be here. So wait a minute, Judge. Uh, uh, you understand the criminal charges that we're trying to bring against these two individuals right here, this guy and this lady. And he says, what are you talking about? There is no paperwork. There is nothing. There's no police report. There's no paperwork. There's no law that's been put before me. They're clean. They're justified. Get them out of here. There's nothing charged against them. That's what justification is. It's not coming in and the judge says, all right, I've, I've seen the evidence and I, uh, I find you not guilty. I'm going to clear you. No, there's literally nothing. You've been justified. It's a white piece of paper. That's how God looks at you if you have your faith and trust in Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray now as we close out this evening that we would rejoice in who Jesus is, that we rejoice that we're saved by faith and faith alone. Hundreds, thousands, millions, billions of people trying to work their way to heaven and never will find it apart from Christ. Lord, first of all, I pray for us as a, as a group tonight, most here tonight, if not all, put their faith and trust in Christ. 
Lord, help us to rejoice this week. Help us not to get sour and down and uh, uh, downcast, but Lord, just like these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, help us to look up and say, hey, I'm coming home someday. I'm coming home. I can't wait. And while I'm down here, I'm going to give everything I can to spread the gospel and to help others. Lord, would you put that in our hearts? Would you help us to rejoice today? Even those that are going through tough times, help us to look forward just like Abraham did to the promise that you've given to us. If you're watching tonight, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, faith and faith alone is the only thing that'll take you to heaven. We've gone through it and through it and through it. You can't work your way to heaven. Jesus came down from heaven, God's Son, lived some 30-some years, 33 years on this earth, was crucified, was buried, and rose again to prove he was Jesus Christ, God's Son. And God holds out that free gift for you tonight. And the Bible says this in Titus chapter 3, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. How do you, how do you accept God's mercy? It's only by faith. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? To believe that he was buried? To believe he rose again? Then it's by faith alone. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Would you accept that free gift tonight? You say, how do I do it? It's just by faith. You can't earn it. You can't work through it. Right there we are. Would you say yes to Jesus by faith? Would you accept that free gift of eternal life and put your faith in him? Father, help us to walk out of here rejoicing. Help us to praise the Lord for the faith that you've uh, allowed us to have to take us to heaven one day and help us to do everything we can this week, wherever we might be, to tell others the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into this world.